Hi there! This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the Word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's Word and the ministry of the Spirit. Can we celebrate Jesus this morning? Hallelujah! Praise the name of the Lord! Anyone excited to be in church this Sunday morning? Amen. Can we rise to our feet this morning as we give God some quality worship for a brief moment? Amen. Okay, so um, a lot of things happen over the course of the week. Things that uh, have thrown the entire nation into pandemonium and fear. Things that apparently you all know about. Okay, the, there is the coronavirus thing. But the Bible talks about how that it's called noisome pestilence. I wonder why the qualification of noisome is there. Perhaps it's because pestilence likes to get attention. It likes to get attention. It likes to make a lot of noise. It just makes itself bigger than it really is. Because if you look at it in the light of the gospel, in light of what Christ has done, it really shouldn't deserve any attention. But because if you look at it under the microscope with medical lenses, and with social, public opinions and all of that, it will look massive, it will look big, because it likes to exalt itself above measure. It's called noisome pestilence. It's called noisome pestilence. And what it intends to inflict on those who hear about it is fear. Fear of death. Fear of the worst that can happen, which is death anyways. The Bible talks about this in Hebrews chapter 2 from verse 14. He says, for as much as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, likewise he himself took part of the same, so that he can destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. So he that had the power of death is destroyed. And then he tells us the effect of that destruction. Verse 15, he says, so that he can deliver them who through the fear of death, all their lifetimes are subject to bondage. The fear of death is more powerful than death. It is. It is. It's the fear of death sometimes that even causes the death. The fear of death. The fear of this. The fear of that. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. I may not be a researcher. I may not be a scientist. But I'm a believer of God's word. I may not be able to tell you the, the pathway and the biological mechanism that, that, you know, coronavirus is transmitted, translated, transported. I may not be able to give you all of that. But I know that whatever it is, no evil shall come near my dwelling. Neither shall any plague come near my tabernacle. For they that dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. We shall say of the Lord, He's our refuge and our fortress, our Lord and our God, in whom we trust. Surely, not maybe, not perhaps, not many times, surely at all times, He will deliver us from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome noisome pestilence under his wings shall we abide hiya anyone excited about the cover you have in Christ the insurance policy is fail proof it is fail proof the insurance policy in God is fail proof <laughs> he has destroyed the one that had the power of death that is the devil so that he can deliver those who through the fear of death have rendered themselves victims of the enemy. You have been delivered from the fear of death. 
usually the way toxins or antitoxins work is that they will inject it into your body. They would inject it to your body so that your body can develop resistance. You see? So Christ had to go to hell and die to conquer hell and death. He had to go there. So that you don't have to be scared of hell and death anymore. He took part of it because of you. He took part of it because of you. He had to be a man to conquer death so that every man that comes after him in his kind doesn't have to fear death anymore. That's the reason why he conquered death on your behalf. Praise the name of the Lord. Should you go outside looking for coronavirus people to hug them and kiss them? No, of course not. Take the precautionary measures. Wash your hands if you were not washing it before because I expect that you were washing it before. Wash your hands, do the regular thing, the normal thing, but don't live in fear. Fear has torments, the Bible says. Fear has torments, but perfect love casts out all fears. No shade of fear is left after love is cast. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. God has not given you the spirit of fear. So every time you find yourself being scared or fearful, you stole it. God has not given you the spirit of fear. Remember those days, you bring anything home, and then it doesn't look like what your parents gave you. They say, where did you get this from? Because they didn't give it to you. So you must have stolen it. Somebody must have given you, and you didn't tell them. You got it from somewhere else, from another environment, from another source. So God, God said he has not given you the spirit of fear. Every time you are prayed in fear, it was stolen. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the devil. That's the system in which he controls his world. And God controls his own kingdom by faith. He has not given the spirit, spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. I like that. Power because God has a lot of power. Love because he's willing to use that power on your behalf. Hallelujah. You know, it's one thing for you to know that God is powerful, but you, you are not sure if he loves you. You're not sure if he will use that power in your defense. But this God is so powerful, nothing can beat his power. And then he now still loves you. That is, he's willing to use that power in your defense on your behalf. Praise the name of the Lord. So during the course of the week, the, the song dropped in my heart and I'd like to teach you guys. Is that fine? Hallelujah. You have conquered the grave. That's it. Hallelujah. It's like a chant. You have conquered the grave. Is that fine? Hallelujah. You have conquered the grave. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You have conquered. You have conquered the grave. Hallelujah, hey, hallelujah, hey. You have conquered, you have conquered the great, the great. Hallelujah, hey, hallelujah, hey. You have conquered, you have conquered the great. All the glory to you, all the glory to you. You have conquered the grave, all the glory to you, all the glory to you. Anybody excited that God has conquered the grave? Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Hey, you have conquered the grave. Hallelujah! Hey, hallelujah! Hey, you have conquered. You have conquered. All the glory, all the glory and honor, all the glory to you. You have conquered the grave. All the glory to you. All the glory to you. 
one more time. Hallelujah, hey, hallelujah, hey. You have conquered, have conquered the grave. Hallelujah, hey, hallelujah, hey. You have conquered the grave. Hallelujah, hey, hallelujah, hey. You have conquered the grave. Hallelujah, hey, hallelujah, hey. You have conquered the grave. Hallelujah. Glory. It does make sense to believe in God. It does make sense. What a joy to know that God, the Almighty, the creator of the ends of the earth, that neither sleeps nor slumbers, is the one that watches over you. He doesn't have any break, no vacation, no leaves. He watches over you 247. 247. And you think a virus <laughs> has more power than his capacity. No. You should be looking for people to heal. Not trying to protect yourself. You are covered. <laughs> you are covered. Now start looking for those to heal and cast out the devil out of. The Bible says by faith, they turned to flight the armies of aliens coronavirus is an alien it's not consistent with your dna by the way your dna doesn't no longer or no longer belongs to that of your parents it's the dna of christ you now run by it's the dna of christ you now run by john chapter 1 verse 12 he came unto his own and his own rejected him they refused him but as unto them that believe he gave them power to become sons of god and children of god Verse 13, they that were born, not of the will of flesh or of man or of blood, but of the will of God. So the moment you got born again, your blood molecules altered. Your DNA changed. You no longer referred and reverted to your father and your mother's, you know, biochemistry. You now began to revert to Christ's biochemistry. What cannot affect Christ cannot affect you. That's the reality right now. That's the reality. And these things that I'm telling you are not fables. They are not tales by moonlight. That's a very old program. It's no longer relevant. It's not, it's not, it's not tales by moonlight. This is a scriptural reality. The reality from God's word. And it can be your reality. Praise God. Anyone edified this morning? Amen. Let's celebrate Jesus one more time. Our King, our Lawgiver, and our Judge. celebrate this young man great job you're doing god bless your heart amen you can have your seat in god's presence we already did five high fives so um you may not have to do that again but you can welcome your neighbor to church welcome him or her to church tell him or her how good he or she is looking compliment something good you know lovely smile lovely shirt nice jacket i like your hair Lovely shades and all that. Amen. Praise God. Anyone excited about God's word? God's word is everything to us. It's everything to us. We are foodies. Amen. Foodies. We love good food. Good word. Remember when, you know, the Bible talks about those that will eventually, you know, stop believing in him. Hebrews chapter 6. And it was referring to the process of elimination. That is, they must have gone through this, gone through that, gone through that. And then if they want to depart from the faith, there is no helping them anymore. They, they're, they're, they're lost forever.
Amen. Okay, describing the state of apostasy. And then he said, they that have tasted of the good word of the Lord. The word of God is good. It tastes so good. When the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good, he's talking about his word. Taste his word. So good. So yummy. Amen. So we're about to start a new series today. A new series. Anyone excited about the series on purpose? Targeted. Targeted. And I, I hope I'll be targeting your hearts today as I teach God's word effectively by the help of the Holy Spirit. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that as I teach your word, that everyone here is blessed. Everyone here is lifted, comforted, strengthened, and edified by the word of God in the name of Jesus. That the words that I will speak out of my mouth will not just be information to their ears, but it will be illumination to their hearts and empowerment to their hands. That they will be able to do this word and get the reward of the doer of the word in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the answered prayer. For in Jesus' precious name we have prayed. So you may like to title today's teaching before. Amen. That's the end of this statement. <laughs> You're probably thinking, ah, before what? <laughs> That's the title. Before. And you can put three exclamation marks after that. We'll give it an action, something, you know, just before. Pa, pa, pa. So that it's, it's sharp and the devil hears it well. Before. That's the title of this teaching. And uh, it's, it's important that we understand the concept of purpose. It's the most important thing for you to understand once you get born again. You need to understand why God saved you. What are you here for? The battery is out, so can we get one that has a better battery? So, I go without the mic. Just to the back. Amen. 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 So, before. Alright, before. So, let's open our Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. That's the classic on the subject of purpose. Classic. Never go stale. Amen. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5. The Bible says that before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you, I ordained you, and I sanctified you. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you, I ordained you, and I sanctified you. Before speaks of a time that pre-existed time. Before, before you were formed in your mother's womb, before your father met your mother, before you became a believer on the monitor, God says, I knew you. What did he know? Because most often than not, when I, saw, when I say I know someone, I'm talking about the person, the body. I know this person. I know about this person. If I say I know Pastor Inka, that means I know her. I can recognize her. I can see her. I, I understand that, you know, she's a person. She works in this place. I've related with her before I have a relationship with her. That's why I can say I know her. But God here is saying that before you had a body, before you had a personality type, before you had anything that anyone in the physical can relate with, he knew you as an entity. He knew you in a realm. He knew you in a dimension. He knew you in a dispensation of time that is without time. He knew you in an eternal realm. He knew you somewhere before time. And so that's the first thing you need to understand about purpose. It's about a time that God knew you before time. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? But well, the challenge a lot of times is that once people get you know, born into the world, 
they are born and then they come into the world and all they try to do is to know the parts that God didn't say need. So they want to know their personality type, they want to know themselves, they want to know their height, their color, they want to understand themselves. But they fail to go back to the thing which God actually knew. You see, what he knew is what necessitated your body. Uh, it is because he knew something about you, he needed that thing to operate in the earth, and then he needed to create a body as a suit, an earth suit, for the body to operate on earth. So you are fundamentally a purpose, not a person. Because before you had a body, you had an identity that God knew. What he knew before he brought a body for you was a purpose. You are more of a purpose than a person. It was your purpose that needed a person to operate on earth. If all you think you are is a person, you are wrong. You are a purpose, needing a body to operate on earth. And so because a body has, a person has a body, needs a mind, and all of that. So God gave you all of those furnishings. He, he furnished you with all of those assets and tools so that you can operate on earth. But a lot of times we get to this earth and we forget the reason for earth. We get to this earth and we forget the reason why we needed a body to start with. And we begin to chase after things to make that earth or that body comfortable. Ah. So, the, the, the purpose is now sacrificed for the person. And so, you you know, uh, BC said something very important, or was it um, Victoria Lewis was leading us in worship, that you see, you now begin to go to school, you make money, you get a good job, you, you get a good career, you have a good wife, you know, you get a good car, you get a good house, and it's all to make the body more comfortable. So that the body can no longer be exposed to the rays of sun and then it can be in AC. So that the body can travel to Bahamas and have a good time and leave the shores of Nigeria, the wretched Nigeria in that sense. And then the body, so that the body can fare well, so that the body can be comfortable. The body that was supposed to be secondary to a purpose now becomes the primary goal of the process. That's now what you, you, you live your life to protect, to guide, to keep. Now go about trying to ensure that that body is safe. What will this body eat? How will this body survive? What will this body be clothed with? After these things do the Gentiles seek. But if you understand the kingdom of God, you would understand that you must seek first the reason for the body and his righteousness and then all these other things that are provisions for the purpose like Pastor Peace taught us on Thursday shall be added they are additions. They are not pursuits. In fact, the moment you begin to pursue them, they begin to chase away. They begin to run away from you. They are not designed to be pursued. They are designed to pursue you. When you pursue purpose, they will pursue you. Once you turn back and begin to pursue them, they are still pursuing purpose. So, so you lose them. Because you change the dynamics. After these things do the Gentiles seek. But you will not be like that. Seek ye first. The primary reason for your sending forth into the earth. Because before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. What did I know you as? A purpose. I ordained you and I set you apart for a reason. To be a prophet to the nations. And every one of us has a distinct purpose in God. It was the prophet that needed the body, Jeremiah. Praise the name of the Lord. Perhaps I still think, ah, this guy, what he said, is it true? Uh, okay, let's go somewhere else. Hebrews chapter 10. 
Hebrews chapter 10. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 10. From verse 5. The Bible says, when he came into the world. Ah, I like this. I like the fact that, you see, Jesus is not like many people. When he came into the world, he saith, sacrifices and offerings you will not, but a body you have prepared for me. I am different from the body. You prepared a body for me. He says, for in sacrifices and burnt offerings for sin, you have no pleasure. But said I, lo, it is written of me in the volume of the books to do your will. I submit my body for that operation. You see, the first question he asked was, God, where is the body prepared for me? I am different from this body. The body is required for me to function on earth. Because once you lose that body, you lose your timeline on earth. Your time frame, the reason and the period of time that you were sent for is no longer, you're, not able, you're no longer able to achieve that because the body is gone. Because the body is what guarantees your legal rights to exist on earth. To be used by God on earth. You are older than your body tells you. So you say, I'm 22 years old. No, you're not 22. Your body is 22 years old. We really don't know your real age. Ask your neighbor, how, how old are you? That's the age of your body. That's not your real age. You are a purpose. Ah, I like this. It makes me feel so good that I'm not just this body. That I'm beyond the elements and the beggarly elements of this world. I am a purpose that needed a body to function on earth. You take care of that body because it's that body that keeps you alive and able to fulfill your purpose. So you take care of that body, but your time is short. You don't have all the time in the world because that body has a limited lifespan. So the Bible says in John chapter 4, from verse 34, it says, My meat is to do the will of him that has sent me and to finish his work. John chapter 5 and verse 17, he says, He that told my father work, and I work. John chapter 9, from verse 4, I must do the works of him that has sent me while it is day, for the night cometh. The night is when your body can no longer carry itself and do the things it could do before. But the purpose is still as alive as it was before you were born. So you must use your body to pursue the purpose. You cannot begin to use your purpose and sacrifice at the altar of convenience and comfort for your body. So you ask a normal guy, it's about, okay, finishing with the first class, getting a good job, getting a good car, get married, settle down like Ogi. You settle down. Before even God can use you, he has to steer you. You are so, you are so, you have D. There's no English for D. There's no English for it. You know what it means for something to D? The Lord help you if, you if you don't understand that. Because when you put ogi, you know ogi, right? And you put it in a bowl and you put it in water and that thing settles after a while. It just settles. You can't you can use it. Before you use it, you have to stir it because it has settled. It's now so immovable, unshakable, too steadfast in its ways, stiff-necked. So God cannot use you anymore because all about you is settling down. You want to settle. And you're not malleable. You're not fluid. God cannot use you because you're all about your body. But he says, sacrifices and offerings, you would not. You have no pleasure in it. Imagine the one that was ordained to ensure that the era of sacrifices and offerings is abolished. Now lines up behind all the Pharisees and begins to give sacrifices and offerings as well. Somebody that God ordained and anointed to abolish sin forever. 
and break the whole cycle and industry and system surrounding offerings and sacrifices every day, every month, every year. He now comes and joins the bandwagon of those giving sacrifices again, again, and again every single day. How useless. And so an industry God has ordained for you to, to change and completely overhaul. You now come and you are becoming a victim of the same industry you were born to lead. Because you are so concerned about the body. You're so concerned about the body. You must offer your body as a living sacrifice. The challenge with the body is that, you see, it's alive, but it must be a sacrifice. So it's a challenge. When you kill, you see, because sacrifices are usually dead, but the human being is the one that God expects to be living and be dead at the same time. And so you have to kill the impulses and the, the fleshy desires and the loss so that you can serve the cause for which you were born. So he desires, he beseeches you by the mercies of God that you offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your only reasonable service. It doesn't matter all the things you do for God. If you are not fulfilling purpose, you are giving burnt offerings and sacrifices. He says you would not. He doesn't please you. You have no pleasure. If all you do is give burnt offerings and sacrifices, you just come, at least I'm giving tithe. And God has told you specifically, do this thing. And you're saying, no, at least I must chop now. After these things, do the Gentiles seek. Comfort is the greatest enemy to purpose. The greatest enemy. How will, how will I be clothed? What will my children eat? How will we survive? I need a job. I have to get this done. Am I saying having a job is wrong? No. But were you called for that? Because you can do a lot of good things and not be the right thing. And you lose out on the right thing. Good things doesn't mean God. It doesn't mean God. If God told you to do something, do that thing. No matter what it costs you, do it. Do it. He says it is to do your will, oh God. And it has been written of me. That is, before I showed up here, something was scripted about my life. In the volume of the books. And then you think about it and say, oh, well, only Jesus had a volume of books. It's a lie, sir. You also have a volume of books written concerning you with your name boldly written on it. Psalms 139, let's go there. Psalms 139 from verse 13. The Bible says, you possessed my, my reins. I like reading these kinds of scripture because they help you understand that you're older than your age. I'm older than my age. So when you're talking to your body, your body should listen because the one that is older than it is talking. Your purpose is bigger than your body. Before. This body showed up. The purpose had been with God. God knew it intricately. He says, thou possessed my reins. Before, he says, he says, before you covered me in the womb. He says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh, marvelous are thy works. And that my soul doth knoweth well. You know what that means? You know, a lot of, <laughs> there's this joke. There are some people that are just, there are some people that are fearfully made. And there's some others that are marvelously made or, you know, wonderfully made. You know, but it's, it's both. You are both fearfully made and wonderfully made. And I was trying to explain that, you see, those that are fearfully made, that when you see them, you fear. <laughs> but you see, that's not the kind of fear God experienced when he was making you. It's the awe-inspiring fear. When he was making you, he was in awe. Like, what, what a weight of glory. What, what a dimension of me on earth. What a dispensation of glory and grace. What, what a weight I'm about to shoot into the earth. What a, a dimension. In awe and in grace and glory and beauty, he made you fearfully and wonderfully. 
And then your soul recognizes that and says, ah, marvelous are thy works. And that my soul doth know well. That is, I'm beyond what you see. I'm beyond the height. I'm, be I'm a weight of purpose on earth. Praise the name of the Lord. Bible says, my substance was not hid from thee. When I was made in secret. Oh boy. When I was curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. My substance was not hid from you. My personality type and all of those things. In fact, they were designed to aid my purpose. They were designed to suit my purpose. Because the, the purpose is the, is, is, is the predictor of every other thing. It's the determinant of every other thing. It doesn't follow your body. Your, bo your body should follow it. It determines who you are going to be born to. Who you are going to be, the family you are going to be born. The, the period of time you are going to be born. The period. It determines the period. It determines the place. It determines the people you are sent to. And with all of those things, it determines the power that you have. You see that? So your purpose doesn't just, it's not a flippant thing. It's a determinator. It changes everything about your life. It chooses your diet. It chooses your routines. It chooses your friends. It chooses the period of time you're going to be born. It chooses the place. It chooses the people you are sent to. And it gives you a power. Because you have a purpose. And then you land in Nigeria and say, ah, Niger. Oh, God. <laughs> and then you want to get the next available flight to Canada. Because you think God made a mistake shooting you into Nigeria. You were targeted, sir. And God does not miss causes. He doesn't. When he makes a shot, he doesn't miss targets. You landed in Nigeria deliberately, sir. God meant it. That your Nigerian is ordained of God. Whether you stay in Nigeria is not what I'm saying. Your purpose can be outside the shores of Nigeria, but that your Nigerian is of God. He sent you here, a period. So because you can't be born at any other time. Imagine your life without Facebook and Twitter. That's why you couldn't have been born in those days. Because he sent you for a period, to a place, to a people. He sent you specifically. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you hearing what I'm saying here today? It's important. In the eternal realm, God does what is called finishings. God doesn't, God doesn't process things in the eternal realm. He finishes things. Praise God. Bible says, forever, oh God, your word is settled in heaven. It is settled. Everything God does in the eternal realm is finished. Finishings. Oh, I like this part. It is finished. It is completed. But you see, the time realm is meant for furnishings. That is why the most important P in purpose is preparations. Ah. So he sent you to a period, sent you to a place, sent you at a time, sent you for a people. And then he gave you power to fulfill your purpose. And the most important thing you need to begin to saddle yourselves with is preparations. See the many P's that we are dealing with in this purpose series. You are sent to a place. You are sent to a people. You are sent for a period. And you are sent with a purpose, with power. You see that? And so you have to learn to prepare to execute the finished works about your purpose. Because everything God wants you to do on earth, he has done. In eternity. So how he captures what has been done is to write it. That this, and that's why it is not, it is being written. It is written. It is concluded. Lo, it has been written of me in the volume of the books to do your will. Finished. Concluded. Finished. So let's read verse 15 in NLT. So you understand that it's not only Christ that had a book where things were written and finished concerning him. Uh-huh. NLT, please. Because this is a lot of KJV English. 
My substance was not hid from thee, yet being imperfect, but in thy books were they written when they were in continuance, in fashion. And he like KJV. But let's read it in a little You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, verse 16. Ooh. Verse 16. You saw me before I was born. What was I before I was born? Hmm. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before. Before a single day had passed. Before you breathed your first. Everything about your life was documented, scripted, and closed. Finished. You see why a lot of people come to the earth and they are aiming aimlessly. Shooting blanks. Fighting in the dark. Not hitting target. Because they don't connect to the before. They don't connect back to before. You can't just come to this earth and begin to locate your purpose by yourself. You don't discover purpose like we have been told. You, you get revealed too. God reveals it to you. You don't, you don't look for it and say, oh, I found my purpose. No, you don't have the capacity to do so. You can't discover purpose. God, the owner of the purpose, reveals it to you. So you reconnect to him. That's why it's called born again. Because you were there before. You were with him before. So when you get connected to him again, you go back. And then he begins to lay out the script. And says, this is what you should do with your life. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. According as he has chosen us after? No, before. Ah, all glory to God. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundations of the earth. You didn't just happen on earth for nothing. You were a purpose targeted for this dispensation. Sent to these people. Sent to this place. With an agenda of God to execute. He says before you chose us in you. Before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and without blame. Before you in love. Hallelujah. Let's go to the next verse. Hallelujah. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of sons by Jesus Christ unto himself. According to the good pleasure of his will. Hi-yah-yah. To the praise and glory of his grace by which he has also made us to be accepted in the beloved. Ah, in him we have redemption through the blood. Even the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. You cannot fulfill purpose outside Christ. Simple. See all those nice things that you hear from great guys who have achieved a lot of great things but are not born again. They are not, they are not achieving purpose there. Sorry to bust your bubble. Say, I'm, I'm living large, I'm, uh, I'm doing well and all of those things. They have just become slaves to their body. Because they have big corporations, they have big cars and big companies. And there is nothing wrong with excellence. There's nothing wrong with doing so well and having so much money and fame and glory. There's nothing wrong with that. If it is along your path of purpose. Nothing wrong with that. But you see, when someone begins to now sell all, all of those things. And you begin to long after the thing. As if the person is fulfilling purpose. You are wrong. Because you see, until you reconnect with the one who had you in his loins before. You don't have the capacity to fulfill that purpose because he alone reveals it to you. He alone. You were sent to this time, to this place, to these people for a specific reason. Do you live every day with that purpose in mind? Or you just live, ah, let's just hustle. Man must chop. You have to eliminate such vocabularies. You have to eliminate such kinds of languages from your mouth. 
we, we, man must shop. We must hustle. Come on. Man was not made for hustle. You are made for purpose. You are made for purpose. So, uh, there was a man called Methuselah. How many of you know Methuselah? You can like to call him Metu. All right, that's the nickname. Metu. He's, he's, the, he's the oldest man that ever lived in scripture, right? Oldest. But then you, 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 you think Methuselah was just some random guy. No. Methuselah had a purpose. Praise God. You see, you're not just a person, you're a purpose. Amen. Nothing needs to sink. So you're not just a person, you're a purpose. Methuselah was not just the oldest guy that ever lived. He was a stopwatch for humanity. I'll explain. Methuselah gave birth to a man called Lamech. Lamech gave birth to a man called Noah. Methuselah was 187 years old when he gave birth to Lamech. Lamech was 182 when he gave birth to Noah. Noah was 600 years when the flood came. If you add 187 to 182 to 600, you'll find 969. And the meaning of Methuselah is, his death shall bring the flood. That's the meaning of his name. The reason why he was the longest man that ever lived, the oldest man that ever lived, is because of the long suffering of God. He was a time, he was a stopwatch for humanity. As long as he lived, man lived. As long as he lived, the long suffering of God was extended. The grace of God was being extended. As long as he lived, if they had known, they would have kept him alive. You must not die. 969, the moment he died, the flood came. The flood came. He was a stopwatch. No man can live as long as that again. Because that man was a, was a purpose to reveal the long suffering of God to humanity. God waited for those guys to repent. They never did. And he kept waiting and kept waiting and kept waiting and kept waiting and kept waiting. That is why nobody can outlive that man. Because he was not just a person. He was a purpose. He came to reveal a dimension of God on earth. The long suffering of God. What dimension of God were you ordained to reveal? Have you located it? So sometimes you all read the Bible, you read Chronicles, you read those, those genealogies and you begin to just get bored. There is, don't get bored on those things. There, there are powerful truths in those things. Powerful truths. Powerful truths. Why was he the one? He was sent to that time, to that dispensation. He couldn't have been born in the 21st century. He had to be born at that time and he had to live that long. Everything was scripted. Noah, 600 years and the flood came. Noah found grace. It was not a mistake that Noah found grace at the time he found grace. What is your life supposed to be about? You were sent to this time for a purpose. So you look at Methuselah and you think he's just another old guy around the corner. No, that's a stopwatch. That is a stopwatch designed by God to expose his long suffering to the world. And you look at Samson and oh, who is that? Who is that? That is a dimension of God's strength revealed to humanity. And so what is God revealing to us through you? What do you represent? The reason why the devil would attack you with everything he has is not because of your face. You think, he, yeah, this guy is too fine to be alive. Let me attack him. No! It is what you represent, the purpose. The threat you pose to his kingdom is what makes you important in his agenda. If you don't pose any threat, he will keep you alive for as long as he wants to. You know the way you keep chickens fed? You keep them fed because you know in the end, they end up in your tummy. So you don't disturb them. Ah, everybody's going through trials and tribulation. You keep them okay. You keep them okay. Are you fine? You need more? We'll take some more. Because you know they're ending up here. And so when a person is living without purpose, you see, everything may be going well for him. The devil is just stuffing him up for the day of destruction. You must know that, see, if you're a man on assignment on purpose, afflictions are bound to come. 
Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 19. Let's read it. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 19. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 19 quickly. They will fight against you. You see that? This is not a, a suggestion. This is an assurance. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. The reason why they will fight against you is because you are not just any person. You are a purpose. And because of the purpose you represent, you will have threats. You will have people who, who want to kill you, who want to afflict you. The moment Moses was born, the protocol of destruction was triggered in Pharaoh. The moment Jesus was born, the protocol of destruction was triggered in Herod because they know the potential of this child. And they were willing to sacrifice three million babies just to kill that one because of the purpose he had and his threat to the kingdom of darkness. If you don't understand your purpose, your person is meaningless. You can be fat, you can be, your bank account can be, can be overflowing, you can have all the cars in the world, but guess what happens? You will never fulfill purpose if you do not locate God and ask him, God, what were you thinking when you gave birth to me what was in your mind what was your original intention why why am i here it's not just enough to get all i can can all i get sit on top of the can until i bend the can with my big book <laughs> hope that was not recorded <laughs> praise god that's not the purpose of life there is something more oh there is something more imagine the way jesus walked the earth with a sense of assurance I'm here for a purpose. And when people say they want to kill you, coronavirus comes, I will kill you today, I will kill you today. He said, no, this is not the time. And when Pilate says, I have the power to release you, he said, who are you? I, I lay down my life, I pick it up again. No man has the power to point any finger at me. Because you see, I am a purpose and my time is not up. So when the Bible talks about long life, it talks about it with respect to purpose. I will not die but live to declare the works of God in the land of the living. So if you are not declaring something about the work of God, why should we keep you alive? To declare the works of God in the land of the living. In the land of the living. To declare it. To declare it. What are you declaring with your life? You just, you just, you just coast a long life. See, I, I have a good job, I'm fine. No, don't be fine. Are you living on purpose? Are you targeted? Are you destroying the works of the devil? Ah, Jesus came and he could say categorically. He could articulate his purpose. He says, for this cause, ah, was I born. To this end, came I into the world to testify of the truth. He said those things with so much assurance. It is for this purpose, the son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. For every day that Jesus was alive, the devil was in tears. Ah, this guy has woken up again. He's about to heal some sick. He's about to deliver some people. He's about to heal. He's about to raise the dead. Because he had to fulfill purpose. Everything he did was according to the script. The son can do nothing except that which he sees the father do. So the things you do, are they coordinated? Are they, are they directed by God? Or are they just things your body tells you to do? I'm not going out today. I'm tired. Your body is one dictating what you do. The money you have in your account is what dictates what you do. No, don't live your life subject to the beggarly elements of this world. There is no money in heaven. Why should money direct you on earth? There's no money in heaven. There's no money. There's no money in heaven. In case you thought, oh, God will be giving us plenty of pocket money when we get to heaven. Ah, I just busted some bubbles, bubbles. There's no pocket money in heaven. No money. There's no money in heaven. No. There's no money. Let me say it again. 
So if money is what determines what you do, you have lost it. Money. Really? When before there was no money, I ordained you for a purpose. You now come to this earth, you now begin to recourse, you now begin to revert to money. What should I do? Uh, you've, you've got the, the, the algorithm tweaked. Praise the name of the Lord. You were made at a dispensation before. Before. That, that's the consciousness I want you to have leaving this place today. Anything that wants to threaten you, understand that yes, they will fight against you. Oh, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you. What? I am with you. Anyone that you respect in the Bible today that fulfilled purpose went through serious affliction. We respect the prime minister, but we don't like the slave. Mm. We want to be prime minister, but we don't want to be enslaved. Oh, you want to be the king of Israel, but you don't want to be living from cave to cave. You don't want the javelin to be thrown at you a couple of times. But you want to, you want to become the king of Judah and then the king of Israel. And even, ah, yeah, yeah, you, you, you love Jesus. You would like to be like Jesus. But uh, can you carry the cross? Can you? Can you be Can you be it? But guess what? That's the pathway to purpose discovery. I mean, to the purpose fulfillment. You have to understand that, see, these things will come against you. You have to be strong. You have to be tough. If you are not conscious of your purpose, you will live in fear and trepidation all the days of your life. Because you think you are just limited to your body. Anyone that can hurt you, can. you, you give the person so much power. He says, fear him. Fear him. That has the power over both your body and your spirit. Don't fear the man that can just kill you. That person has a limited power. But you see, anyone that gave birth to your spirit and your purpose is more powerful than anyone that can kill your body physically. This is God we're talking about. He gave you a purpose. And he expects your entire life to be about that purpose. And you don't discover that purpose until you could reconnect to him because he did it before. And then he just lays it out again and says, yeah, begin. I started this. I finished it. You see, like I said, eternal realm is about finishings. The time realm is about furnishings. Everything in eternal realm is finished, concluded, perfected. Then you come to the time realm you to begin to unravel those things and begin to leave them out according to the script. And when you are done, you see like Paul, a crown of righteousness is waiting for me. And you even know when you're about to pass because you know the job is done. The full stop has been given. And that's it. That is how the fathers of faith ought to die. You don't just die anyhow. And so when death comes, stares at you in the face, you look at it back. How are you doing? You want to try me? And then he walks past because you see you are living on a purpose. He can't kill you. He can't. So you have been delivered from the fear of death. Conquer that fear. The devil has no hold on you. They will fight against you, but they will never be able to touch you. Oh, Isaiah chapter 54. Let's go to the message. Oh, I like this. Isaiah chapter 54. Oh, Can we pray underneath our breath for about just about 30 seconds? Libru Sakatariado Shata. Rekete Bregelabarasio Talavin. Verse 17. Labro Siketege. Mambra haste geluro sata. Radararararasharabarosa. Start from verse 15. Hallelujah. Regedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedegedeg
Who is this guy? Let's quench his light. Who is this guy? They are the Sambalat and Tobiah. Once they see you raising the walls of Jerusalem, they come and attack. But God didn't send them. If anyone attacks you, don't for a moment suppose that I sent them. And if anyone should attack, nothing will come of it. Let them try. Shoot your best shot. Shoot your shot. Shoot it. Verse 16. I create the blacksmith who fires up his forge and makes a weapon designed to kill. I also create the destroyer. You see that? You see how controlled you are? There is nothing that can alter the destiny of God upon your life. Nothing. Nothing. Verse 17, but no weapon that can hurt you has ever been forged. Let's read it again. We didn't get it. Verse 16. Oh, God. Verse 16, please. That I create the blacksmith who fires up his forge and makes a weapon designed to kill. I also create the destroyer. Verse 17, but no weapon that can hurt you has ever been forged. You are indestructible. This is not my opinion. This is God's word to you. Indestructible. This is not self-talk. This is not you trying to excite yourself. This is God's word. The weapon that has your code. It doesn't exist. There is no kryptonite to your Superman. Oh God. There is nothing that can destroy you. Nothing. The weapon that can hurt you has never been forged. And I will not permit it to be forged. That's what God is saying. And the reason why the devil wants to attack you so bad is because of purpose. If you stop living according to the purpose of God for your life, you would have a peaceful time. You would have it. You would have it. You would just have fun. You would just, just realize that everything is going fine. Ah, ah, you write the exam. They, ah, ah, they, they admit you. Ah, you're getting a job. Ah, promotion. Ah, just like that. Ah. And then suddenly the devil will just destroy you. Suddenly. But when you're walking according to the precept and the purpose of God, it will bring obstacles. He will try this one. It won't work. He will try that one. It won't work because you are not designed to be destroyed. There was no destruction loophole in your framework. There was, there was no Achilles heel. They didn't dip into one river and then left your Achilles heel, exposed and vulnerable. Nothing like that. You are solidly shielded. Ah, yeah. Oh, I like this. There is no weapon designed to destroy you. That has ever been formed. This will just this 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 is a good place to close, isn't it? Ah, Yakul Stavila Brigade. And the reason they want to destroy you is because of the purpose of God on your life. It's not about you, it's not about your face, it's not about your height, it's not about your bank account, it's what you represent. The purpose of God. It's the purpose of God. How do you find this purpose? How do you come to terms with it? As we begin to close. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Praise God. Matthew chapter 16. So part of the purpose package is affliction. Is trials, is temptations, is tribulations. Part of the purpose package is part of the package. Are you with me? Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Oh, bray. take it. Ufrande Zutevigladi Cambro do Ho. Oh, that's all. Don't miss this series for anything. Invite friends, bring them over. They are about to be blessed. One of the titles of this series, one of the teachings, is The Discipline of Destiny. Hmm. Amen. Some of us don't like those kind of things. What are we disciplined? Where is Matthew again? Is it before Haggai? 
All right. Matthew chapter 16. Woo! Hi-ya-ya-ya. How do we get excited about God's word? You know, sometimes people just think we're crazy. Why don't we just get so excited about God's word? Do you guys think I'm crazy? Just, just be sincere in your heart. Amen. Verse 13. Verse 13, Matthew 16. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And verse 14 says, and they said, some say that you are John the Baptist. Some say Elias, and others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, but whom do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living. And verse 17 says, and Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my father which is in heaven. And I say unto you, thou art Peter. For the first Peter came to understand who he really was. Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This is a very interesting passage of scripture. Jesus looks at his disciples and says, I've been with you for a couple of years now, so I okay for me to assume that you know me i can assume here that you know me so who, who do men say that i am let me even get some public opinion about me and they began to say stuff some say that you're john the baptist others say that you're isaiah some say you're jeremiah and they could only link him up to a previous framework a historical data there is nothing in the history of mankind that can tell you who you are there is nobody like you in all of eternity if you miss purpose, there is nothing God can do. He has to recreate something in an eternal realm, which is impossible. So you see how much you disappoint God when you don't fulfill the purpose of God for your life. The algorithm that cooked you was destroyed when you were, once you were done. Once it created you, it destroyed the algorithm. It can't create another kind of you ever again. So Isaiah, Jeremiah, and John the Baptist can try to reflect who you are, but they can never do a good job. They can try. Because men would always try to say, you are like Cristiano Ronaldo. You play like Messi. But who exactly are you? You can't really tell because you can only, you keep going back to previous frameworks that the world has experienced. And that is how the world defines you. They will say, oh, there's somebody like you that I know. But they are not you. So comparison is foolish at the highest level. Because there's no point. You are different. Why compare an ant with an elephant? They are different. They are different. They are very different. You are very different from anybody that has existed. And there is no other kind of you that will ever exist after you're done. There's none of you in all of eternity. None of you. You are, you are just one. One of your kind. One. One. That is how, that is how seriously wrath you were. It was a clandestine project. He wrote you in the lowest part of hell. You were made in secret. Nobody could copy the recipe. Nobody. He alone has it. And then they started giving previous guys who behaved like Jesus, who talked like Jesus. Oh, John the Baptist. Oh, Isaiah. Oh, Jeremiah. And then Jesus was done with all of those public opinion. He says, who do you even think that I am? And Peter characteristically just blotted out and said, oh, well, you are Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus was like, what? Spot on. How did you know that? How did you get access into that dimension of me? How? Ah, 
and then God looked at him and said, ah, you didn't think of this in other business reviews. You didn't check this up on Google. Someone told you. The one that knows me told you. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. My father in heaven exposed this revelation to you. And then Jesus ceases to speak to all the other 11 and zooms in on, on Peter. Now, uh, uh, wait a minute. You, you asked the disciples the question. One of them responds. And then you, you now make the conversation about just you and him. What happened? Hmm. Listen to this. Jesus asked for his identity and his purpose perhaps. They couldn't say it. They could only refer him to previous frameworks. They obviously failed. And then Peter blurts out and says, you are Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus looks at him and says, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. And then he said, you are Peter. The first time Peter was named Peter. Jesus named Simon Peter. His name was Simon. Jesus named him Peter, which is a, a, a pointer to his destiny, his purpose, and his assignment on earth. And so this, this, is, this is the real magic here. You don't discover yourself and your purpose by trying to discover yourself and your purpose. You discover yourself and your purpose when you are in endless, reckless pursuit of the Father in worship and fellowship. Because once you discover Jesus, Jesus is duty bound to reveal you to you. He's duty bound. He did not begin to say, Peter, you are Peter. Uh, uh, John, you are John. Okay, this one, you are this. No! He zooms in on Peter. If you could discover me through fellowshipping with the Father, I am duty bound to, to tell you who you are. I am duty bound to explain to you your identity, your purpose, and your destiny. And so every time you spend away from fellowshipping with the Father, you are elongating your period of discovering purpose. You are elongating it. And you want to go to all the business reviews. You want to do all the personality type profile tests. You can say, oh, I'm choleric. That's who I am. That's not who you are. Oh, I'm a D. I'm a D. That's why I'm behaving like this. No. There are dimensions of you written in a book. You cannot discover it until you discover him. Until you pursue him. Until you find him. Until you fetch him. Once you discover who Jesus is, Jesus looks at you. Oh, you know me. Ah. Let me tell you who you are. Let me take you to the annals of history. Let me take you to before. See, when we were creating you, this is what we ordained for you to become. This is how we ordained for you to live your life. We sent you to Nigeria between the periods of 1990 and 2000 and, uh, 2090 is fine. I think 110 will just be good. All right. 100, that's, okay. Two, what is the, what is... 2090 plus 10 years is how much? It's 2100. So 2100 is a good time for me, personally. So we, we, we ordain for you to live in this period, sent to these people at this time for a purpose as this. And as you discover Jesus, he begins to reveal you to you. So the more you discover him, and that's why what Pastor Peace shared on Thursday was very apt. It's not a, it's not a sudden thing. It's a journey. Can you finish knowing Jesus? You can't. And so the more you know Jesus, the more he reveals you to you. So that it's, it's, it's the genius of worship. It's the genius of worship. So you can't just finish knowing yourself and then run off fulfilling purpose. You need him. So the more you get closer, the more you need him, the more he reveals you to you, the more you can execute. The more you can execute. The more you can execute. execute. There's nobody that has a full handle of his purpose. Nobody. 
So I know what, I'm, what my life was about, what my life is about, and what it will continue to be about. There is nothing like that. The more we stick close to Jesus, the more he reveals it to us. He is the one that provides the template. The more you fellowship, in, fellowship with him in the word, in prayer, in worship, the more he calls you and says, you are Peter. Oh, I ordained you to the nations. You are a prophet. Original before, before. Not, not the one your father told you. Not the one your mother told you. Not, not what your teachers told you in school. Not what they told you in, in government class. I ordained you for a purpose. And the moment you discover me, I am duty bound. You don't understand. Why did Jesus tell Peter who he was? And the moment his purpose was out in public, the devil desired to sift him as wheat. Because once Peter knew his identity and his purpose, he became a threat to the kingdom of darkness. And the devil began to desire to sift him. I'm going to sift this guy. Oh, who does he think he is? Ah, now he knows his purpose. Now he's going to try to twat everything I'm trying to do. I'm going to sift this guy. I'm going to kill him. And then he tries to sift him as wheat. The Bible says Jesus spoke and said, I have prayed for you. That your faith will not fail. Because guess what? On that path of purpose, there will be afflictions. The devil will desire to sift you as wheat. But Christ has prayed for you. And he's still praying for you. He is your intercessor. He is your high priest. And what is he praying for you to do? For your faith not to fail. For you to fulfill purpose. For you to continue in the faith. For you to continue in that purpose and fulfill it to the end. Beware of tiredness. Beware of you know, losing your heart. Losing that fervency. Beware. Pastor Peace was talking about the commitment today. Tighten the bolt of your commitment. Tighten it. Commit to reading the Bible. Commit to praying. Commit to fasting. Commit to worship. The more you commit to that, the more God is committed to revealing your purpose to you. That's how it works. You don't discover yourself outside of the faculty of the before. The faculty of before. They are the ones that can reveal you to you. You are not consulting everything beggarly. Everything elementary. Everything terrestrial. When your purpose is celestial... Your purpose is from a realm called celestial. You have to consult it before you understand who you are. You can't try to understand it by how you behave. Your personality type. That's inferior. There is an ordination. He ordained you, sanctified you, set you apart, defined you by periods, places, times, and seasons, dispensations. That is how God defined you. So you go back to him for your definition. Who are you? You don't know. Who are you? I, I think I'm Elijah. I think I'm Jeremiah. They are them. You are somebody else. Different from them. He broke the molds that created you. you don't ex you've never existed before. Your kind is rare. These are not motivational speeches. This is God's word. This is God's word. God's word to you. And that's my challenge for you. That's what I post to you today. Will you get lost in him? Will you get lost in him? Oh, when God started revealing my purpose to me, oh, Jesus, oh, dear, I, I didn't have enough of the Bible. It was like, I, you, know, you, know, you know when you wish, now you want to sleep, but God, can you upload the software of this Bible into my brain so that I can continue meditating on scripture as I sleep? That was how in love I became with the word. That was how in love. I, it was like, I, my eyes cannot help me now, so I want to sleep, but can you just upload the software so I can continue? That was how crazy in love I became with the word of God. Crazy in love. Because that is where your purpose is found. If you leave anything outside of that space, you are not living purpose. You are living ambition. You are living your own, your own, your own. You're just on your own. Or your, and you can be as successful as you want to be, but you will never be fulfilled. Never. Fulfillment is found in God. It's found in your purpose. In Him. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord.
And once Peter told Jesus who Jesus was, and Jesus told Peter who he also was, then he said, it's like you guys can handle my destiny now. He began to say, this is the kind of death I will die. And they couldn't <laughs> see, beware of the enemy. The enemy showed up again and began to talk through Peter to Jesus. You will not die. How can you say you will die? We left everything to follow you. I have three children. I have a wife. Hey, there's a woman in my house, my mother-in-law. And then you're saying you will die. Where, where do you want me to go from here? And he began to rebuke Jesus. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Satan. Everywhere purpose is talked about. Satan is always around the corner. Always around the corner to change it for you. To make you, sub, you know, just exchange something for something else. Exchange purpose for ambition. Exchange purpose for comfort. Why do you think the devil was, why do you think Peter was rebuking the devil? I mean, rebuking Jesus. Because of his comfort. Because of his own ambition, his life. What, 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 what will we do now? What is our purpose in life? How, how do we get to live and be fine and be comfortable? How will my children go to school? You have provided everything we needed in this past three and a half years. Now you want to die. How? How are we going to survive? Survivor, comfort. Those are the things speaking and the devil was the exact person talking through him. Because the language of purpose is not about comfort. It's not about comfort. These are hard teachings and you don't hear this very often. You want to hear that you'll be alright. Oh, dream big and achieve big. Calm down. <laughs> Discover who you are in Christ first. Because the language of purpose excludes comfort. Excludes it. It excludes it. The devil began to rebuke Jesus. You will not die. Through Peter. You will not die. You will not die. Jesus said, this is the voice of the enemy. The voice that wants to deny me the cross. Wants to deny me my fulfillment. And that's why you have to follow purpose. Don't follow comfort. You will make a mistake in your journey. If you follow comfort, you can't. It's too deadly. It's too dangerous. Because this purpose is not about the time realm. It's about a season, a dispensation. Before. Before. Everything eternal determines the things that are temporal. You don't allow the eternal bow to the temporal. You, you are in need of a job today and you want to circumvent your eternal purpose for fleeting satisfaction. Oh God, oh God. There, there's so much to share with you. There's so much to share with you, but we have to stop here today. Have you been blessed this morning? Can you rise to your feet right now? And just raise your hand in worship. And say, God, I want to know you. It is in you I find my purpose. It's in you I find my rest. It's in you, it's in you, it's in you, it's in you. I know you ordained me for a season. You ordained me for a period. You ordained me for a place. You ordained me for a place, for a people, for a period with power. And Lord, I'm ready to start preparing. I'm ready to start preparing for this purpose in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, we give you praise. Father, we give you praise. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. Unto good works. Which the Lord before ordained. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Let's read that as we wrap up right now. You are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. Unto good works. Which the Lord before ordained. Unto good works. Hi, yeah, yeah, yeah. That we should. I like the fact that it is should. Because you may choose not to. Should walk in them. Should. Will you walk in them? That's the cry of heaven tonight. Of this morning. Will you walk in them? You are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. Unto good works. 
before ordained that we should that we should can you increase that we should I don't know if you're passionate about fulfilling your purpose on earth because in the end your reward is tied to it your eternity is tied to purpose everything is tied to purpose that you should walk in them for the next one minute two minutes can you just talk to your father I don't know how you prefer to talk to your father but can you just talk to your father can you tell him that Lord reveal to me and because I want you to reveal to me my myself I, I commit to pursuing you I commit to reading you I commit to fellowshipping with you I commit to loving you I commit to serving you I commit to seeing you every day I commit to fellowshipping with the father which God hath before ordained before oh oh is anybody praying this morning can you raise your voice this morning now Lord I am nothing without you I am your workmanship you are the workman in Jesus name we prayed one more prayer and we're going to be praying for ourselves. You're going to hold the neighbor's hand. We're going to be praying fervently. Because the challenge with the workmanship is the man in between the workshop. The workmanship has a wheel. That's the challenge with the workmanship. You know, if it was just a workmanship that does not have a wheel. If I make a, 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 an artwork right now and I just put it on the wall there. That's my workmanship. I'm the workman. Whenever you see that workmanship, it speaks of the workman. When you're admiring the workmanship, it's not so much about the workmanship. It's about the workman. It's about the person that created it. That's why you always see a signature down there. Because it's about the person that created the workmanship. But the challenge about our kind of workmanship is the man in between the workshop. The fact that we have a wheel, we can choose to lay it down, we can choose to pick it up again and walk away. Romans chapter 12, as we wrap up right now, we, we will now pray. Just one person, oh, just one person. You're going to pray for that person deliberately, only that person. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, I present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that which is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. That means until your body subjects to the will of God, there is no fulfilling purpose. It's hard. You need prayers. For Jesus to fulfill his purpose, a prophetess, Anna, prayed for 84 years. Just so that his will can be conditioned to the will of the Father. It's not easy to sacrifice your will for God's ultimate. It's not easy. It's not easy. As you're going to be praying for strength for your neighbor. That Lord, give this my brother the strength. The strength to give up everything. Just for the will of God to be fulfilled. That he may be able to prove that which is good, acceptable and perfect will of God. Lord, help him. Help his heart. Help him by grace. Supply him the grace. To be able to say yes, Lord. To be able to say yes, Lord. To be able to say yes, Lord. Supply him the grace. Every time the devil raises its ugly head, Give him the grace to say no. Help him to conquer the loss of the flesh, the pride of life, the loss of the eyes. Help him, Lord. So that he may prove what is that good, acceptable and perfect. I need you to pray well for your, for your friend. Pray well for your neighbor. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Matthew 25 details something very scary. It says on that day people came and they were saying so many amazing things that they did in God's name. They were telling Jesus, we cast out devils in your name. We heal the sick in your name. We raised the dead in your name. We did a lot of good things, charitable things. But Jesus looked back at them and said, I do not even know you. You workers of iniquity. Workers of iniquity. That is how grave the subject of purpose is. That is what connects you to God in a vital way. And nobody can define it for you. God alone can. And so your fellowship with God is the most important precursor to your fulfilling purpose. Your fellowship with God. And Lord, as we wrap up this teaching this morning, we pray that in the name of Jesus, the spirit of grace and supplication is released into the house. That every single one of us, as we begin this hunger, this panting, this thirst after you so we can fulfill our purpose, I pray that in the name of Jesus, the spirit of grace is released alongside in the name of Jesus, I pray that we'll see light from the scripture. You will make us to eat of the fatness of your house. You will make us to drink of the rivers of your pleasure. For only in your light do we see light. And I command that this week we see light. This week we see light. We have a stronger understanding about why we are here. And we go about the fulfillment of it. Thank you, Father, for answer prayers. We give you praise and we give you glory. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Can we celebrate Jesus this morning? Wow! What a word! For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at Parpoint Tribe.